This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Monday afternoon, November 14th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. Presented by the Village of Bedford Park, I'm Rob Hart. Retailers, especially those with excess inventory, hoping to clear the shelves this holiday season. We'll cover that in our next segment. Right now, we're hearing a key member of the Fed today, while the coming days include important data on housing and manufacturing. We're joined by Tom Hudson, the Week Ahead columnist, McClatchy Tribune News Services, based in Miami. Tom, thanks for joining us today. Before we set up the Week Ahead, let's talk about those comments from uh, Lael Brainerd of the Federal Reserve. And if you listen very closely, can you hear the sounds of the doves on the wind? It, quote, it probably will be appropriate soon to move to a slower pace of increases. I don't think you have to listen uh, too closely to hear exactly the Fed governor saying <laughs> a slower pace of increases. <laughs> there it is, the open mouth committee at work here uh, after uh, a, a very bullish print on the uh, consumer price index from last week, which led, of course, to a lot of short covering, a lot of buying in that big market rally last week in the and, stock market. And I'm not seeing a lot, whole lot of movement uh, in the markets based on those statements alone. Does that mean all of that movement took place last week? Uh, yes, it does, right? The market is a discounting mechanism. It is anticipating the future. And in fact, We've got another Federal Reserve governor who's out with comments that are a bit more hawkish to meet his uh, colleagues' dovish remarks. Uh, this, uh, this board of governor is traveling overseas. Mr. Waller said, we have a ways to go yet. So, you know, in the world of the Federal Reserve, both these things can be true at the same time, Rob. And that's the challenge where buyers and sellers have to meet and sort it all out. And then tomorrow we get another heat check on inflation with the producer yep. price index. So uh, we'll see if, uh, if, if the uh, number we saw last week in the CPI is sustainable. It, we'll see if it's sustainable. I think the more important number this week is the existing home sales number. We know that the housing market, the pace of sales has been has collapsed essentially right double digit percentage drops from a year ago in terms of the number of existing homes sold but the prices of the homes sold has has remained stable uh in part because of low inventories uh in the market so i think that's the real number for investors to watch in terms of how the housing market uh home buyers particularly are weathering the higher cost of borrowing in this huge asset the biggest asset in most people's portfolios to be in real estate their homes and uh, existing home sales comes out on Friday later this week we get retail sales and that's probably a, an interesting uh, a, a good data point to take a look at where the american consumer is heading into the holiday season 
Indeed it is. And accompany that with the latest quarterly numbers from Walmart due out on Tuesday. That's a more specific look at the largest retailer here, how it's navigating the economy, how it's navigating grocery prices particularly, and looking at that average ticket and what consumers are buying and how they're buying it. Of course, Walmart doesn't give a lot of, uh, a lot of transparency in terms of its outlook ahead. But those two numbers, the uh, retail sales figure overall, and then, of course, Walmart's specific focus is going to give us a good bead on the appetite for consumers here as we move into uh, the Thanksgiving week next week. Tom Hudson, Week Ahead columnist with McClatchy Tribune News Services based in Miami. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up, the very latest on the volatile cryptocurrency market. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's been a rough go for crypto markets as of late, but a lot of analysts are seeing the space is extremely undervalued, with some saying it's time to dip back in. Joining us with his take is Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital, author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. Michael, thanks for joining us today. Uh, let's just begin with the state of the cryptocurrency market. It has been volatile the entire year, uh, ebbing and flowing with uh, interest rate hikes and uh, the, the, the flight from growth into value and back and forth. But uh, what type of an event is the collapse of FTX, uh, what does that mean for the cryptocurrency market right now? And is it that, that possibly uh, one of those events that are that will be a real turning point in the evolution of the crypto space? Well, good afternoon, Rob, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, the, the event of, of, of FTX uh, going under is, you know, sent shockwaves, obviously, through crypto. Uh, Bitcoin itself went from 20000 to 16000 in a matter of a couple days. I mean, that's like a 25%, almost 25% drop. So now the question is, is this a one-off or is there a contagion to follow? And, and we at MJP Capital, we believe this, is a, this finally pre- presents the first buying opportunity in crypto in probably two years. Uh, risk assets have had a, a, a miserable year, uh, a miserable couple years in any category, but um, probably nothing has been hurt more than, than the crypto space. But we think this event is going to be a one-off, and we believe that you know, if, if there was a time to buy crypto in, in the last two years, it's right now. And you know, we like Ether the, the most, and we've been on the show before uh, touting Ether. We think that's the best value. Uh, but we stay with Bitcoin and Ether. We, we don't really play the altcoins, uh, but we do think that right now is, is a great time to get in. And you, you, this, even if the potential for this to be a one-off event does exist, we're learning more and more about the structure of FTX and the web of interconnected companies and uh, smaller entities that were uh, contained inside, and that uh, this investigation and the story of this company's unraveling has the potential to stretch out for a very long time, and every disclosure could impact the crypto market on any given day. Yeah, I mean, there's more. There's more to this story, and it'll, it'll come out as we as we see. But you know, when when you have an event like this that's that's perceived so negatively, you, you almost have to take the other side and say, okay, this is a time to to go against the flow. Uh, you know, time will tell uh, if this is a real buying opportunity. But again, 
I'd rather buy it here than, you know, a year ago when it's trading 30, 40,000 and everybody's, you know, everybody's thinking it's going to 100,000. You know, you want to you want to go against the flow in these types of asset classes. And, and I think this is a good time to do so. Is it also a good bet because the, of the possibility that when it's all said and done, this is going to be a regulated security and that it's going to be under the same umbrella as uh, regular money? Well, I'm not so sure the regulation is, is, is the important thing. I think that, that the you know that, that the space is gonna is it's gonna always have some, some hiccups, but you know, when you when you invest in an asset class that is this risky and that has a lot of leverage in it and, and famous saying from Warren Buffett, stay away from liquor ladies and leverage. I don't know about the first two, but leverage definitely is a killer and, and that's what's happening here in, in crypto. Um Again, though, this is the time to to buy is 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 when there's when there's bad news like this and and that there's fear that there's more coming when the, when there's a lot of fear that there's more news bad news coming generally it's a time where you get positive surprises and again you know we we haven't seen this in crypto in a couple of years it's been such a fr- buying frenzy, and we finally have enough fear, I believe that this is a time to step in. Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital, author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us. Coming up next, a casual food chain that specializes in salads is adding a drive through lane. Cash, credit, debit, and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The California-based salad chain Sweet Green is putting its first ever drive through and it's here in suburban Chicago. Let's get more from Ali Marathi, restaurants and retail reporter, Crane Chicago Business Alley, thanks for joining us today. This is not your parents' drive-through. This thing that Sweet Green has planned for the northwest suburbs. You're right. It's not. They're calling it the Sweet Lane, and it's more of a pickup lane than drive-through. And what that means is that it will not take customers' orders when they arrive. Instead, customers will have to order their food ahead via Sweet Green's app, and then they pick that up in the drive-through lane very similar to Chipotle's uh, Chipotle Lane model that they use. And uh, this is just another sign that a technology that was implemented uh, might have been flirted with prior to 2020 and then uh, became a necessity uh, once restaurants uh, had shut down for a little while because of COVID-19, that this technology of mobile ordering uh, is now really maturing and it is uh, the rule instead of the exception. Totally. And I think customers are a lot more comfortable with it, too. And that's something that 2020 did, right? Like it forced people to order their food online. And now, you know, fast forward a couple of years and everybody's comfortable doing it. These chains feel comfortable, you know, asking their customers to do it. Um, I think Chipotle maybe saw a little bit of friction when they were rolling out their Chipotle lanes with trying to teach customers how to use the technology. But Sweetgreen, you know, I talked to an executive and he said he's not worried about that so much because customers have become so savvy. And it also opens up the world of possibilities for what certain restaurants can do, because in the old days, uh, a restaurant had a drive through because it served food that traveled well. Chipotle, salads, less so. But now it has it can it can stand shoulder to shoulder with a McDonald's. Totally. And that's one of the reasons why these fast casual chains, you know, as opposed to the fast foods that you see with McDonald's, Wendy's, et cetera, one of the challenges that they have and why they have to do the pickup lane instead of the drive through lane. It's a customized order is going to take longer than it might take McDonald's to, you know, 
slap some ketchup on a burger or whatever it may be to assemble your salad, to assemble your, you know, Chipotle bowl. So that's why they're wanting customers to order ahead of time. And it also is one of the challenges that these companies face when they roll out these new lanes, right? It can add just layers of complexity on top of existing operations. Sweet green is one that can get people through the line pretty quickly, which is sort of, you know, a main requisite for um, food companies these days in restaurants. So the challenge is, can you manage a pickup store at the same time? Is this something that could potentially change the uh, retail development landscape if it were to be fully realized, where uh, if you wanted to put in a fast food restaurant, you had to have a drive through lane, you had to have enough room for a line of cars, and now you don't necessarily have to do that anymore, and then you could use, utilize that space in other ways. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's one we're seeing. Portillo's, for example, opened a restaurant that is similar to this. It's out in Joliet. Obviously, Portillo's is one that's very good at the drive-thru. I think we've all been in their drive-thru before and been impressed how quickly they get people through. And they opened a location out in Joliet that was pickup only, right? So it's, you know, your, your DoorDash is your Uber Eats picking up food, but also ones that you can order from your app as a customer. So you're seeing the real estate being used differently um, and restaurants kind of experimenting with different ways that they can think about what their stores look like. Ellie Marotti, restaurants and retail reporter, Crane Chicago Business. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Still ahead, a pair of ideas from our Monday stock picker. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The leaders of the U.S. and China have a rare in person conversation. A shooting at an East Coast college leaves three football players dead. The production of power now underway at a wind farm in Europe's North Sea. And at Stock Picker Monday, we'll get a couple of suggestions from an investing pro. WBBM Business, the markets are now firmly in positive territory today. The Dow up 192 points. The NASDAQ is up 8. The S&P 500 is up 13. 39 degrees right now in Chicago. Under partly sunny skies going up to 43 today. Some snow in the Chicago area approaching dawn tomorrow. It's 1231 and topping our news at the half hour. President Biden and Chinese leader Xi Jinping today spent several hours meeting face to face while in Bali, Indonesia for the G20 summit. The latest from CBS News White House correspondent Stephen Portnoy. The president said one of his goals going into the meeting was to ensure that he and Xi Jinping don't misunderstand one another. He says he informed the Chinese leader that if North Korea continues its provocations, the U.S. might ramp up its military presence in the region. We'd be more up in the face of, of, of China, but it wouldn't be because of China. It'd be because of what was going on in North Korea. The White House hopes Beijing uses its influence with Pyongyang to stave off another North Korean nuclear test. 
Stephen Portnoy, CBS News, with the president in Bali, Indonesia. A suspect is now in custody following a shooting at the University of Virginia that killed three members of that school's football team. The alleged gunman has been identified by police as 22-year-old Christopher Jones Jr., a student at the school. Two other people were wounded in the incident last night, which occurred on a bus of students who were returning from an off-campus trip. No word on what may have prompted the killings. It's 12.32. The noon business hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are now firmly in positive territory. We're joined by Nick Raish, CEO of the Earnings Scout, based in Cleveland, Ohio. The website, earningscout.com. Nick, thanks for joining us today. How much of today's turnaround uh, is driven entirely by uh, comments from members of the Federal Open Market Committee? I think it's a lot of that because that's about when the time the turnaround uh, started happening uh, earlier this morning. Um, the market really wants less aggression from the Fed in terms of raising interest rates and believes that that'll uh, a less aggressive Fed will kind of signify the bottom uh, for stock prices. Uh, but uh, we'd be wary of that. And then uh, the CPI last week was the thing that really kicked off this uh, era of good feeling on Wall Street uh, that's persisted for several days since then. The p- producer price index comes in this week. If that one beats expectations and also shows signs that inflation may be easing, what do the markets do? I mean, what's the degree of euphoria we might see? Well, I think you said it, euphoria. Um, that's a little bit too much excitement uh, for a Fed that's Still going to be raising rates, but just not by 75 basis points. It might only go by a half a percent or 50 basis points uh, um, at its next meeting. So, But nevertheless, there, there is a, a valuation metric on the S&P 500, the price-to-earnings ratio. And given where earnings are estimated for next year, you're still at a, over 17 times earnings. So not typically cheap uh, by any standards. And you normally see that ratio go down to like a nine or 11 times multiple market bottoms. We never hit that. So stocks aren't necessarily cheap at these levels um, here. What do you make of that Goldman Sachs forecast about inflation that says maybe, just maybe, we could hit the Fed's target and could do so by the end of next year? Uh, I, I think there's no problem that the Fed's going to defeat inflation. Uh, raising interest rates will slow growth enough. I don't think that's the problem. Plus, the year-over-year comps for rising prices will get tougher. So the rate of inflation will go down. I think the more interesting uh, thing to observe is, can the Fed defeat inflation and not cause cause a recession? Um, we don't think so. So that proverbial soft, soft landing. Uh, defeating inflation will be relatively easy for the Fed. But defeating inflation and maintaining growth is going to be the challenge. The uh, big debate uh, in the world of economics, and I'm sure uh, w- amongst you and your friends and, and, and people who you do business with, is uh, are we heading towards a recession or are we in a recession light right now? Um, if we do wind up in recession, what does that recession look like? You know, at my firm, the uh, earnings scout, we track the earnings for, for corporate America, and the earnings this year in 2022 have been positive. We're, we're going through third quarter earnings season here, and the rate of growth was 8% earnings and 12% top-line sales growth looks nothing like a recession. But what we see is uh, in the first half of 2023, the first two quarters we've seen go into negative territory in terms of the growth rates. 
this is where we think we're going to see it uh, sometime in 2023. Uh, earnings recession for sure, which should translate into an economic recession in terms of uh, GDP. Uh, the question is how severe and how long that will last at this point. But I think we're definitely going into recession next year. Nick Rach, CEO of the Earnings Scout, based in Cleveland, the website earningscout.com. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, an update on what's described as the world's largest floating wind farm. Cashing in with conversation, the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A Norwegian company is now producing energy on a wind farm that's floating in the North Sea. Let's learn more about it from Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media and former tech editor for the Today Show based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Paul, thanks for joining us today. Um, I'm, I'm a little always a little hazy, Paul, on my definition of irony, but uh, I think that it, is, it is truly ironic that this floating wind farm, this innovation in clean energy, is being used to power uh, offshore oil and gas drilling rigs in the North Sea. You know what? If I were looking for irony in the dictionary, I might put... Uh the Norwegian energy firm Equinor right next to that word, uh, because you're right. Here's a giant uh, wind farm that they're the Norway's first and the world's largest floating wind farm. And I'll get to that in a second, but they are going to be powering, as you just said, oil and gas installations. Um, so, you know, <laughs> now wait a second, somebody who's listening might ask. And, and the, you know, the answer is that the oil and gas installations, which have, have been there for a long time. And by the way, because we are, going to be slowly transitioning, obviously, out of uh, fossil fuels over the next 50 years, probably. Um, it's good to know that at least some of those energy needs are being powered by renewables. I mean, I guess if you're if you're a fan of not not uh, heating the planet too much. So it is ironic, though, for sure. And then these uh, the, these floating uh, offshore wind farms, what do they look like? Are they are they giant barges? I mean, are, do they, are they fixed to the are they anchored somewhere? I mean, how do how does this work practically? Yeah, in, in a nutshell, they are anchored. And you're asking an excellent question because the difference between um, a, a floating wind farm that has that, that is anchored to the to the uh, to the, the ocean floor and one that floats is is among other things you can put these wind farms in places with much deeper water. In this case, it's going into about a thousand feet deep. Uh, but the benefit is not the depth of the water. The benefit is where. In other words, people can track where wind happens. And if that wind is at its maximum and most constant, which is good, obviously, for, for wind farms, uh, in a certain area of the, the sea that's very deep, these floating wind farms, in this case, about 90 miles off the coast of Norway, can actually go out there and, and be, be anchored by cable. Uh, but in a much deeper place of water where there is constant wind. So that's the benefit. And it seems like this solves two problems. I mean, the first one is the NIMBY problem, that if you do have an offshore wind farm, and we've we've learned this in, in a number of states, the, the well-to-do uh, who live on the coasts and have really nice views uh, don't want a uh, wind turbine or 20 uh, sullying that view that they paid for so you can uh, pull them over the horizon. And the other one uh, would be just finding... a a great deal of open space to actually place a wind turbine, which is kind of a problem on land. You're absolutely right. In fact, most of those wind farms that the that the well-to-do and the well-heeled complain about that they can see are just, they're, they're as far enough offshore as they can make them and still deal with firmly entrenched, that is firmly anchored wind farms. In this case, you don't have to do that, to your point. Uh, this is also, by the way, this particular wind farm is going to be cutting CO2 emissions from the field by about 200,000 tons a year 
uh, the company mentioned. So in other words, these these demands are, are, are here. In fact, the demands are only growing. We've talked a lot, you and I, about electric cars and the growth there from 2% of all cars sold in the U.S. to 5%. They've doubled in the last three years. I mean, it goes on and on. The electricity demand is going up. So if you can put these things way out to sea where there is constant wind and out of the eyesight of the of the folks on the shore, you're, you're winning on all counts. And then how do you hook them up to uh, existing uh, land-based uh, energy sources? It's the same way that any existing offshore uh, wind farm uh, or even solar, and you know that there have been large floating solar panel farms uh, contemplated and, in fact, being built. And it's the same way. The cable is still going to be firmly and physically connected to the land-based uh, transformers. Uh, however, that cable it will have some slack, of course. But remember that these farms are going to be anchored. They're just going to be anchored in much deeper water. So the same holds true. Drop the cable, send it off to the shore, and have it transformed there for use on, on land. Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media, former tech editor for the Today Show based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Thank you for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday and still to come, our Monday Stock Picker. It's the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday and helping us out this afternoon is Matt Matigan, CEO, Blue World Asset Managers based in Chicago. You'll find the blog blueworldam.com. Matt, thanks for joining us today. And uh Two, your two selections this week are, are not exactly uh, household names, but they do have potential. I think they both have good potential, and especially where they're priced right now. Uh, we like energy uh, still, at least for the medium term here, and a really affordable company in that space is Vertex Energy. The symbol is VTNR, and they produce and distribute highly refined, high-quality, conventional, and alternative fuels. They're on the smaller side, and they service some Gulf Coast and Midwest markets, but they also supply recovered products like motor oil to the industry. Right now, they're trading kind of in the middle of their 52-week range, and with a little pressure being put on, uh, put on them today from the Occidental report, uh, it seems like a, a good pickup for the current energy environment. And then the uh, next one uh, is in the biotechnology space. It is. This one is definitely speculative. Uh, Ginkgo Bioworks, it trades under DNA. Uh, but this is a really, really interesting biotech firm out of the Boston area. So without getting overly technical, they are in the business of cell programming. Their platform is used to biologically program cells to be used in everything from uh, medicines and food ingredients to petroleum-based chemicals. Now, they service private and public entities, including COVID testing products to public health authorities. So it's a really good mix of clientele. They're sitting near their two-year low, uh, and it's a good time to be a little more speculative uh, with this kind of a company when they're sitting at these prices. And this is one of those companies that could really participate in one of those breakthrough technologies and participate accordingly. Ginkgo Bioworks, the uh, ticker symbol is DNA, easy to remember, and uh, Vertex Energy, the ticker symbol is VTNR. Very quickly, Matt, before I let you go, uh, you know, th there, there are some stocks we profile uh, in this segment. I mean, they're household words. It's Google, it's Amazon, it's Meta, it's, it's something that people are aware of, 
either just because it's in the news or you hear the commercials and you're familiar with the the marketing. Um, these two names, you know, how how do you scout these particular companies out, the ones that could be big in the future? Well, we're always on the lookout for those uh, companies that are, to your point, specifically not household names, but are participating in industries that we think currently a, a good time to jump in, have some upside coming. And by getting some of these off-the-beaten-path names that still trade high volume, which both of these do, even though they're not, as you said, household names, they are well-known in their industries. They trade good volume. And those we go out of our way to try to scout those opportunities. Matt Matigan, CEO, Blue World Asset Managers, based in Chicago. You'll find his blog at blueworldam.com. Once again, uh, his stocks this week, Ginkgo Bioworks, DNA, and Vertex Energy, VTNR. You'll find past programs and later today a podcast of this hour at wbbmnewsradio.com and the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now, with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.